0: Let you in on some stuff that was happening there. I said to uh, Anna before she left, when do I get up to preach? She said, right now. Okay. Well, good to be here in Hortonville. Tell you what, I love this place. Bringing back lots of memories when I was first starting out in ministry and this was the kind of church that I pastored for a long, 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 long time. Then a big, huge thing that God built at, uh, in Appleton. But uh, I, I like the intimacy of this and I'm sure you do too. That's one of the draws of coming to a Hortonville. Well, as someone has already said, while the uh, Christmas retailers keep stocking their shelves earlier and earlier in the fall, um, it's still on the calendar, this thing called Thanksgiving Day. Uh, The one day each year where a whole nation pauses to simply give thanks. I, I mean, even though it's getting run over by Christmas, even if it's symbolic, I mean, you think about it. It's a pretty cool thing that lots and lots of people, even irreligious people, take one day for something that at least in its inception was designed to say thank you to Almighty God. Now there's a debate as to what the purpose of that first Thanksgiving was for it seems to be a a national sport now to question anything in our history. But whether it was Virginia or whether it was New England or whatever the early settlers felt a great need to express, to express their thanks to two things, the providence of God, the fact that he provides, and secondly, the, incredib- the incredible blessings of God. And of course, this is not just a Christian idea. In fact, if you read the Bible, you see that the Jews had many religious holidays that are described in the Bible to, to thank God But specifically, there were three of their festive days, their holidays, that were designated as Thanksgiving feast days. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look into the scriptures on those three Jewish Thanksgiving holidays. And hopefully, as we go through this this morning, it might do something in your own hearts and souls so that it helps you especially maybe this Thanksgiving, to thank God for his providence, his providing in your life and the many blessings he's given you. The very first religious feast day that was designated as a Thanksgiving day is one day you probably would not think of. But it's the Sabbath. The Sabbath, that's right. The Sabbath was a special, actually it was listed in Leviticus 23, as one of the feast days. We don't look at it as a special Jewish holiday, but it was. It was the first one. It tops the list of God's appointed moments where his people are to stop and to rest and to say thank you to him. So let's look at what it says there. Leviticus 23, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you're to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You're not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's very important to notice that All of the jewish holidays that are mentioned in leviticus 23 all include a sabbath In the beginning of chapter 23 before moses starts to list all of these other jewish feast days He describes the foundational importance of the first one The first celebration to say thank you to god is actually the weekly sabbath God's people were to take time each week to say thank you to God. And in fact, I believe that is strategically put in the list in Leviticus 23 as the top and foundational holiday because, and historically this was true, if the Jews could not keep a Sabbath, they probably wouldn't keep the other holidays. I think that's true for the most part in our life see if a person has a problem taking one day out as a sacred assembly to thank god they're probably going to struggle with the rest of all of the celebra- times they should be celebrating and thanking god hebrews 20, 10 25 says this it says um, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing that's what, what that's what it becomes you know that right You stop fellowshipping with God's people, you start coming to church, it becomes a habit. And the Bible's pretty clear about it. It says, don't do it. Don't get into the habit of not meeting together. Why is it important to meet together? I've been a pastor for almost 40 years and I ask the same question when somebody comes into my office, and I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what they're dealing with. I ask the same question. Have you been coming to church lately? Have you been fellowshipping with other Christians in a small group or something like that, or a Bible study? Because the number one, listen to me, the number one strategy the devil has to get you off course is to separate you from the flock. He wants to get you away from other Christians. Because what does God do through other Christians? Uh A lot. I think sometimes some of the most powerful moments in a church service is what happens before and after. When, when other believers that you know are talking to you and they start, God somehow uses that to encourage you, or, or, or they mention something in it, and it just it just somehow connects you with God in a in a certain way. There's, there's the fellowship, the strength of meeting together. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't, do, don't give that up. Don't get in the habit of not doing it. The Sabbath day is foundational. There are three elements of the Sabbath day. The first is you're not to do any work. You're, you're to put it all aside. And, and let's, this is not uh, legalism, of course, and thankfully the New Testament addresses this. You don't have to pick Sunday as your Sabbath day. There's many people who have to work on Sunday. So Sunday, the day itself, is not the issue. The issue is you should work six days and trust God for one day. You don't have to work. That was the first element of the Sabbath day. You do no work. You put it all aside and you trust God. He's going to provide through six days. Secondly... It was a day of sacred assembly. You came together with other members of God's family. And third, it was given to the Lord. It was a day to focus on God and rest and be thankful. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is the word Shabbat. And it means simply, stop. That's what Sabbath means. Stop. Stop your work. Stop your busy schedule. Stop your busyness. Stop your career. Stop everything else so you can be thankful and rest and enjoy God's people and enjoy Him. I think when you talk about Sabbath, people get into all kind of legalism questions. Well, can, can I do this on the Sabbath? And can I do this on the, on the Lord's Day? And all that. I think they're totally missing the point. God's wanting to bless us by saying, stop. It's hard to do that in our world today. In fact, it's hard to show appreciation to God if you don't learn to stop. People who can't stop have a hard time. Even thinking about times of of thanking God and appreciating God, they're too busy. They're too, too, too busy because it all depends on them. They gotta get it done. It's hard to worship if you can't stop. It's hard to cultivate a thankful spirit if you can't stop. And in our world and in our society in America here, it's 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 really difficult so I travel the world and I'm telling you when you go to Europe you go to other places it's not like it is here I mean people are busy everywhere but but in this place we're constantly on a treadmill we get up in the morning we inject ourselves with some tiger juice called coffee and it's a new day right gotta get going gotta get to work gotta get off on the schedule and at the end of the day what happens you think well I've worked hard today so now I deserve some rest cuz I've earned it right I hope you realize that in the Jewish culture it's just the opposite you 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 rest first and then you do your day you rested Because you were able to say, I'm going to rest. And then when I get up in the morning, I'm going to join God who's already at work. You can go to bed because when you wake up, you get up and God's already at work. And I'm going to join him in what he's doing. Very interesting that the Sabbath begins when? At sundown. That's when you begin to rest. You go to bed first. Uh, Gen- look, look at this, Genesis 1. Look at the creation account. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now watch this. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was what? Evening. And then morning. The first day rest is a gift from god it's not something you earn by working hard all day it's a gift from god it begins your day rest should not only begin your day it also begins your week it's interesting that sunday is the what described in the gospels as the first day of the week we begin our week by resting I'm convinced that if people saw the importance of this, of how important it is to rest in God, to stop and rest, their spiritual lives would be a huge jump in their spiritual lives. And they would be able to hear God's voice more. Sometimes the answer to our spiritual problems are very, very practical. It involves the practical areas of sleeping and and eating habits and resting. You say, Pastor, what does my sleeping schedule and my eating habits have to do with my spiritual life? I would tell you it has a lot to do with it. The truth is some of the easiest times to waste is uh, at night. Right? We stay up late, watch one more show, maybe watch the late night shows. We don't get much sleep. We get up in the morning. It's hard to get up in the morning now. It's hard to have devotions. have to have time with God. And a very important part of your daily walk with God is all screwed up. It's all messed up. Not because of some terrible sin in your life, but because you can't discipline yourself to rest. Dr. Bob Smith, who for many years was teaching at Bethel College in the Twin Cities, he he tells of a counseling session he had once with a young married couple. It seems, it seems the husband and wife were very concerned because they, were, they were, had low patience and they're getting upset with their kids and they're yelling at them constantly and they thought something was wrong so they went to go see Dr. Smith for counseling. And he begins the session by asking very, some very practical questions to the wife. He says, what time do you go to bed at night? She says, well, my husband comes home from work and he kind of turns on the tv and he eats with the tv on and he watches tv all night and then he wants he wants to watch the late shows with me and so i got to stay up with him so i usually get to bed about 11 30 midnight he says well, what time do you get up he says well the baby gets up around you know five o'clock in the morning i gotta feed it and i i stay up and i get the lunches ready for the kids and get breakfast ready what do you have for breakfast well, I don't know, sometimes just a cup of coffee and maybe a bagel or a sweet roll or something like that. But by, but by 10 o'clock, I'm pulling my hair out and the kids are making me so angry. Hey. And he says to the husband, he goes, uh, <coughs> he says, so you get up with the baby? He goes, no, I got work. <laughs> so I kind of just sleep in. He says, Doc, what do you think is going on here? He says, my wife seems to be the one that has the, the least amount of patience. Do you think she needs some counseling? He says, well, both of you have a very deep spiritual problem here. And he said, what well, I think the solution is, you need to go home, take a hammer, stick it through, this, through that stupid television set, go to bed at night, have go to bed at a decent hour you husband get up and help your wife with the baby have something for breakfast with some protein in it I think it's gonna solve all of your problems it's my kind of counselor (laughs) your rest has a lot to do with your spiritual life God knows that he built it in the creation the weekly Sabbath. Second Thanksgiving Jewish holiday involved thanking God at the beginning of the harvest. It's called Pentecost. Pentecost is a festival in the Bible that's called Shavuot. Shavuot. And it celebrates the beginning of the harvest, also called the Feast of Weeks. It usually follows Passover, Sometime at the beginning of the summer, late May, early June. Pentecost means 50 days, 50 days, 50 days after Passover. So let's look at what it says in Leviticus 23 about this Pentecost feast. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later, then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. This is, their, this is one of their Thanksgiving days, only it didn't celebrate the end of the harvest, like our Thanksgiving day. It celebrated the beginning of the harvest. And notice how it had the inclusion of compassion and consideration for the poor in verse 22 it says this when you harvest the crops of your land do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop some of you know farming Uh, I happen to have built uh, our empty nester home on a farm and uh, one of the things I notice is that when they're harvesting they um, you know, they, they and when they're planting, they don't get too close to the edge, right? You don't wanna catch a fence post in your equipment, you, you, and you can't reap around the edges, you know, the corners. You have to make a circle there and kinda, of, you can't go right to the corner. And what that did a lot of times, in the certainly in uh, biblical times, is it would allow for some crops to be on the edges of the field. And God told them, I want you to leave plenty around the edges. I don't want you to pick up the gleanings. That's what it was called. But but leave it behind. Leave it for the poor. Leave it for the alien. In other words, when you come to thank me, don't forget to show compassion. Why should that be involved? Why should that be involved in thanking God? Why should the Alliance Church be concerned about the poor? Out of pity? No. No. We don't give to people in need because we feel sorry for them or we feel guilty because we have so much. That's not the motivation. The idea in Scripture is that God is the owner and he loves us and he has poured out his blessing on his people And so we want to share in his generous heart and celebrate his giving heart by showing compassion for other people. Gratitude cannot be separated from compassion. All these Jewish days had some sort of a piece of it for compassion for the alien, it had a purpose. God is trying to communicate to his people, I'm good, I've been good to you, I want you to be good to others. What's the difference between a person who is grateful and a person who is not grateful? I think I know the answer. The answer is their memory. Their memory. Grateful people choose to remember where they come from. Grateful people choose to remember how far they've come from and how incredibly generous God has been to them. And and a result of that is they have almost a natural inclination and desire is to now share that kind of generous heart with other people. That's why it's connected with Thanksgiving. The third feast day, Of thanksgiving in the jewish holiday in the jewish calendar was the feast of tabernacles sukkot sukkot it's called sukkot and it's and it's probably the one that's most relatable to us because it was at the end of the harvest it's like our thanksgiving day question what do you think of all the feast days was the most celebrated holiday during the time of Jesus in the first century. Most people would say the Passover. When the Jews celebrate the deliverance of the people of Israel, they were, you remember, they were slaves under Pharaoh, and they were delivered out of slaves and led into the wilderness by Charlton Heston. You remember that. <laughs> and people would say, without question, the Passover is the biggest, most popular most celebrated jewish holiday has to be or if you were very savvy and you had studied the holidays the jewish holidays you would say no the most important holiday to the jew was the day of atonement yom kippur when there was the cleansing of the people once a year the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies representing the people and there would be a blood sacrifice made for the sins of the people, certainly it's the Day of Atonement. Both of those selections would be wrong. Josephus, who's the Jewish historian who who records a lot of what Jewish life was like during the times of Jesus in the first century, Josephus says, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Thanksgiving Day, was the most celebrated of all the Jewish feasts and holidays. Also called the Feast of Shelters, or the Feast of Booths, because they would live in these booths, in these shelters for, for the whole week. Take a look at it here in chapter 23. Remember that this seven-day festival to the Lord, the festival of shelters, begins on the 15th day of the appointed month after after you have harvested all the produce of the land. First day and the eighth day of the festival will be days of complete rest. Go back, uh, I didn't get to read that there. Thank you, the first day and the eighth day of the festival will be uh, days of complete rest, okay. Next, on the first day gather branches from magnificent trees, palm, uh, palm uh, I don't know what that is, palm fronds, what is that? Palm trees, uh, bows from leafy trees and willows that grow by the streams. Then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. You must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed in the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. They will remind each, each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your god so you can just imagine what this feast was like and why it was the most popular one the people of israel had to remember on this uh, in this whole week their time in the wilderness so what you're talking about here is a massive national camping week and it was celebrated between the 15th and the 22nd of the jewish month of tishri which is sometime between september in October in our calendar. And the Jews would be thankful and they would celebrate how God delivered them from slavery in Egypt at the end of the harvest. They would go to the city of Jerusalem if they could. They would live in tents and booths and temporary shelters for a whole week and it was an incredible, happy, incredibly happy occasion. All of Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem, all over the streets of Jerusalem, You had all of these tent-like, you know, uh, fortresses that they would build, you know, and people would live in them, and they'd camp out. And it was all to remember how God had supernaturally provided for them. It was their national day of thanksgiving. Now, what what was the purpose of all of this? Again, the purpose was for... God wanted them to remember, to put in their memory, I'm your provider, I'm good, I take care of my people. And so he wants his people to be thankful for that. Whatever their circumstances, keep in mind, what is this celebrating? This is celebrating a very difficult time. The wilderness is not an easy place to be. And and they were going to be there for a while in the wilderness before God's going to bring them into rest, into the land of Canaan. But he wants them to be thankful anyway. There's a lesson here. Maybe this Thanksgiving is going to be a tough one for you. Maybe the finances aren't what they should be. You've recently lost someone or someone is sick. Or it's just a bad time in your life. I want to remind you that no matter what, it's a very powerful thing that happens in your soul when despite all the problems and all the worries and all the concerns, you take a posture to remember how God has been good to you and you keep thanking God. You know, one of the scenes in uh, one of C.S. Lewis's books that always sticks in my mind is uh, in the Screwtape Letters. The Screwtape Letters was a fictional account he wrote about an older devil training a younger devil on the art of temptation. And there's a scene in this book where the older devil is cautioning the younger devil and he's saying, listen to me, our cause is never more in danger than one of these creatures he's talking about a christian when one of these creatures looks around him in a universe and everything they've been holding to everything they thought about god deserts them and yet they still believe and obey yes Let me tell you the story of Martin Rinker. Some of you know this story. Martin Rinker was a pastor in the early 1600s in Germany. He pastored right in the middle of what was called the 30-year war, 1618 to 1648. War, famine, disease. 500,000 people died in combat, 12 million people died because of disease, and famine, and starvation. 20% of Europe's population gone. Right in the middle of it, in the year 1636, Pastor Rinkart buried, now let this sink in, he buried in one year as a pastor 4,000 people. He averaged 10 funerals a day for a whole year basically this man preached on Sunday and did funerals that's all he did Fif- he, some days he, he had as many as 50 funerals one night in the middle of all of that pain and suffering and darkness and exhaustion after seeing his congregation devastated by disease and death and economic tragedy one night this pastor is sitting by his window and he remembers that he has to write a what they called a table grace they used to write out prayers for their family's grace time before a meal and he's writing out a table grace for his children let me Read some of the words. They may be familiar to you. Now, thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices whose wondrous things have done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today how's that for a thankful spirit written by a pastor who's burying 10 people from his congregation every day listen if he can do that certainly you and I can learn to thank God no matter what you may be in some deep waters right now in your life and this Thanksgiving you may find it very hard to do what Pastor Rinker did, to express some sort of a heartfelt praise and thanksgiving to God. But I want to remind you that this pastor could only do that because he kept his eye on a sovereign God that he believed was in total control and that somehow, though he did not understand it, somehow the circumstances of 4,000 people dying in his parish in one year, somehow that's part of God's great eternal harvest plan. And that truth set him free to give himself to thanking God and to serving others. I want to remind you this Thanksgiving, no matter what's going on in your life, keep thanking God. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, you you don't call us to understand why life is difficult. This is not heaven. This is a fallen place we live in. With all kinds of dysfunction and sin and hurt and pain. You told us, Jesus, that if we were going to be in this world, it would be painful. But you said, I have overcome the world. And our walk is a walk of faith to trust you despite the circumstances we're in. Holding on to the fact that you keep your promises to us. That you are a good God. We sang that. you're good you're good you're good we believe that and that somehow somehow you not only see our pain but you empathize with us and you restore us and you give us hope I pray God for all of us this Thanksgiving no matter where we're at whether it's good times or bad times that we'll all find a way to open up our hearts and trust you more and yes thank you and now may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you and be very gracious to you may the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and all of god's people said